People, three quick things you can do to support me and support the Value Economics Podcast. Number one, subscribe to the Value Economics Podcast. Number two, leave a five-star rating if we deserve it. Number three, if we deserve it further, leave a review. Something nice, something mean, whatever you value. I don't care. Let's get into the show. Everybody's got to Value Economics Podcast. Six million ways to die. Choose one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the newly revamped first week of January Value Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Sam LaCrosse. Can you dig it? I can. And I especially can because we are kicking off the new framework and the scheduling with a good friend of mine, Mr. Stephen Jabaruski. Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well, bro. Appreciate you for having me on. Another another standard brethren. So uh, definitely had to show up and you know have some good conversation. Yeah, man. No, I think we will. And I think that it's it's going to be just, you know, I want to do the reason I did a lot of the rebranding stuff is because I want to start more highlighting and uplifting people who are doing really interesting and cool stuff. And as a person who was kind of, I would say, one of the first of our community and our friends to start going in that venture, I thought you'd be a really appropriate person to start with because you're kind of taking that bold step into the unknown with some very cool and very important things. So I definitely wanted to get you on and kind of get your perspective on it. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. No problem, bro. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey. Like there's so much to learn. Um, you know, had some successes, a lot of a lot of things that I, you, you know, you look back on, you're like, oh, I could do that better. But it's kind of a it's like the I think it's something that Alex Formosi says, like the best games are the games that you don't just win, like you keep playing and you're yeah. just ever evolving. So it's it's kind of, you know, I never thought I'd be in business, but like, you know, here we are. And it's are. like, my, yeah, kind of, it's my new like play thing. Uh, we'll kind of get into my background and everything later. But yeah, well, I, I was gonna say that's my kind of my first question. We'll just get into it right now. But so basically, so just give us like we're going to get into all of more of the detailed stuff as we progress throughout the conversation. But I would just say boilerplate, just introduce yourself. Who is Steven? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, kind of what brought you here today, all those type of things. Like kind of just give us a little bit of a bio if you don't mind. Fantastic. So my name is Steven Javaruski. I am from Orlando, Florida. Um, well, originally from Clearwater, Florida, live in Orlando. Um, so I run a mental health coaching business for high performing professionals um, to help them optimize their mental health, eliminate burnout um, without spending years and years in therapy. Um, started that business this year. Um, I also um, am a school based um, counselor at the high school level and been doing that for a few years. Um, and I, you know, really liked the job. I did, wasn't having, wasn't able to impact as many people on like a one-to-one or more personal basis. Um, so that's why I wanted to start my own thing and, you know, do all the media and everything to sort of, you know, help people on a broader scale. So I actually used to, I went to UCF for undergrad and grad school. Cool. From about like 2014 to 2020, really. Graduated grad school during the pandemic. That was that was fun. Um, and I, I'm an only child, um, and I played a lot of video games growing up. I actually really, really loved playing the video game Madden, the football video game. And I, for a number of years, played it professionally. I was one of the top 10, 15, 20 players in the world for a couple of years and, you know, traveled all around the country playing, um, won a good amount of money. It was, it, it met a lot of great people. It was, it was a fun time. And, you know, that stage, I stopped, stopped having fun with the game, you know, due to various reasons. Um, but around like 2020, 2021, I was like, all right, it's got into my, you know, my 
nine to five job. And I'm like, okay, I don't have time to do everything anymore. So I, you know, started doing, you know, my career. And then I started up with like self-improvement, like fitness. Um, and then, you know, started getting into, you know, business and connecting and networking. So it's been an interesting um, ride so far. But yeah, some of the things I'm learning in business is a lot of the principles that made me successful in Madden, I can apply similarly, but I never looked at them that way when I was playing. But, you know, and to be successful at one thing, there are some, you know, guiding principles that can be applied to other areas as well. Yeah. I was, what are some of the big ones of those? I'm actually really curious about it. I was never met that much of a video game guy. So I'm actually really curious to get that insight from you. Yeah. So one, uh, you got to do it a lot <laughs> for a long yeah. period of time, yeah. for a long period of time. Like, and the way, so one of my friends, he kind of dubbed me like a, like an information hound. Like when I was playing, I would play people online and like, you know, some people were good. Some people were not so good, but when you're just playing random people, you're just playing random people. Um, so I found whoever the, the tournament players were, the people that are making YouTube videos, the people on Twitch, like the people that sold eBooks, I would gather all that information about what I needed to know to be better. And then I would do it. And then I would enter tournaments and play with better players and it was funny because like I'm like I'm like we're in the standard together, which is like, you know, community of guys like leveling up in all these ways. And as I was getting better in Madden, placing in tournaments and like meeting people like he was online, but I was playing with better players like every step of the way, like you would get in crews that we called them and, you know, traded secrets. We played um, games against one another and just you keep getting better and better. And then it came to a point where when I, when I won a tournament in Las Vegas in 2017 to go like the, the major tournament of the year, um, the best crew at the time, um, they were called EMB, um, Elite Madden Ballers. It's funny now, but um, but they were but they were they were the best and they wanted me on the team to like, you know, help add value to everybody. So it's just kind of funny, like. A lot of the core, those core principles like are, are starting to play out now, but if you get to the original question, like you gotta, you know, it takes time and you gotta put the reps in and you gotta find as much good information as possible and implement it. That was the thing. I think a lot of people nowadays, we are so great at consuming content, but there's an under implementation of things. Like if I learned a new blitz or I learned a new, um, you know, route combination on offense, I would literally go play a game and go do it and get that immediate feedback and learn by the trial and error. So yeah. a lot of times we think that we can learn, you know, whatever the blueprint is and just get it perfect the first time. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. So in doing that, it taught me a lot. And now that I'm like thinking back to it, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. It's like I was doing it. I just loved it. Honestly, I loved playing the game. I love the competitive nature. I played sports growing up. I love watching sports. So it like because I love doing it and I wasn't really like, thinking about it cerebrally. But now, like like on the business side, I'm like, that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. No, that that's awesome, man. I think that it's it's funny how we all can come to similar conclusions from different places. Like for me, like I totally understood what you said, even though I'm not or I was not, excuse me, one of the best Madden players in the world, but it's kind of so, <laughs> but it's like all these principles, they kind of come from 
different sources, but at the same time, they kind of, you know, they come from just different sources, but they all kind of unify at the same place. And so I think a lot of, especially young men, you were kind of a, you know, you're a video game guy, you're a sports guy. You know, we had a conversation about LeBron like about 10 days ago. So maybe that was something (laughs) like it. So, you know, in terms of role models, who were some of the people you really looked up to growing up in terms of kind of who you look to, to either get direction from and, and what I want to kind of synthesize and what I want to get from everyone when I kind of ask questions like this is kind of, what are the common traits and characteristics, et cetera, that you wanted to, de- that you deemed kind of admirable about them? And why did you want to follow the people that you looked up to in those ways? Mm, that's a great question. So in my family, my grandfather on my mom's side, um, he was definitely like a, a role model for sure. He was actually a famous Western artist back in the day. Oh, cool. um, he was did like cowboys and Indians and wildlife and all that stuff. And he was really, really great. And, you know, we you know, had a great relationship, um, talked a lot of a lot of sports, a lot of things about life. Um, and he said, I actually think I'm going to get it tatted on me because my I have one tattoo and it's his yeah. last name, Perillo. Oh, cool. Um, so I think I'm going to get another one that's like one of the things he used to say was like, think big, be big. And in my life, when I was younger, I was kind of like a like when things w- wouldn't go right or the way that I wanted them to, um, I would deal with like those negative emotions sucked. Like I hated feeling like that. So something that I kind of unintentionally, you know, developed in like in terms of a defense mechanism was like downplaying or underplaying like successes or compliments or what I think that I can achieve. And now, you know, I'm grown, like I'm just turned 28 a few weeks ago. Like I've gone through counseling. I'm, I'm grown. I can handle emotions and letdowns and things like that. And in order to become the person I want to be, I can't limit what I think I can achieve. I can't put like an artificial ceiling on what, what it is that I think I could ultimately become. So the phrase is like the think big, be big is like just, if you think, you know, a lot of times people say like in business, like you're only going to make amount, the amount of money you think is uh, as much as the amount of money you think is a lot. Sure. So yeah. like limiting beliefs, you know, getting rid of that. Um, then my uncle as well on my mom's side um, definitely helped me a lot with, with just life and in, in general, like just perseverance is as just a, a core tenant like a lot of hard times are going to come just like good times are going to come and they both will pass but being able to weather the storm and not just like completely like falling apart like you still have things that you need to do in life and you can't just let everything else you know just wither away because you're dealing with this one this one you know set of circumstances sure Sure. And I think a lot of people in terms of that was a great answer, by the way. So thank you. Um, you know, I think just a lot of people when it comes to that, they kind of have those people that they naturally feel like they're drawn to in that way, where they can say like you with your grandfather, for example, like he did it, he had all these circumstances happen to him, he kind of got through everything. So I can apply that to myself with the different circumstances throughout life. And so I think uh, I don't know if you're either a faith based or a spiritual person, I think I have an inclination if you are, we've never talked about it, I don't think personally, but in terms of I think that's really the importance of what a broader power, a higher power, wherever you might derive that from really, really comes into play. And I know that like with me, a big thing with my mental health and a lot of things that was really limiting me was my own kind of 
self-perception in the way where I kind of saw that I had this kind of delusion of grandeur that I could kind of have this thing where I would want to control everything and everybody. And I could say like, I'm going to do this because I am this or whatever. But really when I put my faith in something that was not myself, that really helped to alleviate a lot of things. So I don't know if you either have a spiritual practice that you do or you're a faith-based person, but that's something that I think was really, I think, beneficial for me in a lot of ways, even though I did have a lot of good role models in my life. Thankfully, that was, I think, the missing piece that really helped me kind of unlock that for myself. Mm, yeah, faith is is a very interesting thing because like my my family's uh, Italians from New York, so they grew okay. up Catholic. they grew up Catholic. Um, I always I never really messed with Catholic Church. I, I've it's so boring. It was just the yeah. masses were just so it turned me off at a young age. Uh, it's not like I'm like anti religion or faith or anything. I've it helps so many people because of like the concept of what you said, like having something like bigger than you to fall back on in those hard times, because like. All in all, like if you, you know, if you weather the storm, if you persevere, if you believe that things will get better, then they will. But if you, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but if you believe they're going to get worse and you don't believe in anything, then you're probably going to be right too, because you're going to make that reality. And faith is one of those things that can help that first scenario that I laid out, which is really what life is all about. Like you're going to have like you know, we don't really have any concept of what the highs are without the lows. So whenever you're going through a rough time, knowing that not only are things going to get better, and this is why, and this feeling is why I have like a reference point as to what's, you know, what good times are like, but like, you know, the skills, the resiliency, all that that you're going to build from those tough times will help uh, like prepare you. And I know in like religion, like, like they talk about a lot of these concepts and so if it it helps people i'm all for it um i don't necessarily get there in like a religious context but like a lot of times we end up in the same place which i'm just like okay can't be all that bad (laughs) no i don't think so either and i i think it's just a different frame of reference for everything a lot of people get a lot of just different you know aspects of who what they makes up their perception of the world from everything else and you kind of talked about a little bit earlier too you know we're going to talk about you know mastery mindset your peer a little bit later on but you, the one thing that also to me jumps out about you throughout a lot of where you put a lot of your emphasis on is your educational background, because you've been, you focused a lot in school, you have multiple degrees, you have all these things that a lot of people are really kind of looking at in terms of how people learn things from an educational perspective, how they get a lot of their information from the world. And so what was your focus like on education? Like you said, your, I believe your girlfriend also has, I think several degrees as well. If I can get in that, he's very, very smart, also very educated, very (laughs) And so were you always into, did you see that as kind of a form of really self-development and making yourself better? Or like, what was that your kind of framing and perception on education when you were kind of growing through it and growing up? So when I was a kid, um, like literally all the way through, through high school and then even into college, like, but mainly like early on, like everything kind of came easy to me, like intellectually, like I, like it's not like I'm like a supercomputer or anything, but like I could kind of pay attention and like get A's on things. And if I paid attention, I did really well. Um, so, but also a heavy emphasis was from like my, my mom's where she was like, you're smart. We know you're smart. You know, you're smart. You need to do well. And doing well is a value that we have. Like you need to care about your education because you know, you have, you know, these gifts from God and you need to, um, you know, don't waste them. 
Um, so it was helpful and it was definitely a blessing because it allowed me to have that identity of being like, you know, being smart, like this is what I do. Yeah, um, right. And so it helped me, you know, excel in school. And it was it was great up until you get to a certain point where you have to try. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, like for me, yeah, like because yeah, yeah. like I was I was very gifted in math when I was younger. I even won in middle school, won like a like a um, a district wide competition like for cool. math. And, and, you know, that was great and all. But like once I got to pre-calc in high school and I had to try like just this much, like <laughs> for those not watching, I'm, it's just just the tiniest amount. I just didn't do it. I didn't have any discipline. And like, I'll still get like a B in the class, but like, I didn't really get it the way that I used to with putting in like minimal effort. So it like, it helped me, but it also kind of exposed me in a way that like, in order to like really get far, you can't just, um, you can't just get by like on sheer talent. Like, you know, there's that phrase, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Like that's super true. But, you know, there's another aspect of it um it's like when talent works hard like you're you're screwed like they're gonna win so i want to i want to marry the talent with the working hard um and that's kind of how i view things now but during school i just kind of i was able to get by like with good grades but it was definitely a value education in general like knowledge knowledge is power and i made it definitely part of my identity like oh like you're a smart person like that's just kind of what it was. It actually led to some interesting like issues later on where like if I did, if I was proven wrong about something or I didn't know that something, it was like a, a challenge to my identity, which I didn't realize I had built over the time. But I mean, overall, it's, it's helped me. And now like in I have I'm, I'm working on like the appropriate amount of like ego around around sure. things like. Things that like I don't know I've done for a while, like Madden, I talked about. Like, there's only so many people that can really talk to me about Madden at like a high level. But like other things like business that I'm starting out in, like it's you know I'm kind of like a sponge, like I was when I first play started playing Madden. Like the ability to coach and counsel people, like I have a I have a very good um, grip grip on that as far as you know I feel as well as like you know clients I've helped and and just you know people that know me but like people who've done it for 20 40 50 years like you can always learn something from them so I I view myself as like a lifelong learner and I know people say that but like I really do feel that one of my things my grandfather another quote that my grandfather said was if you're not growing like you're dying which is true like if you're not keeping the mind engaged and learning new things and applying those things into reality, like you're just kind of, you're just kind of chilling there. So education to me, whether it be formal or informal, I mean, honestly, a lot of people could don't even really need to go to college. They can get education by other means, like, you know, tech schools, trade schools, skills they can learn online, what, what have you. But education definitely is something that I, I view extremely important I mean, when I have children, that's definitely going to be like, now you're going to do good in school. Like there's no, like either if it's going to come to you, fantastic. But if it doesn't come to you, that's even more important because that's where you learn the discipline piece. And then you can honestly, if you got, if you got the intellect, you have the discipline and then you have the perseverance through tough times, you're unstoppable. Yeah. 
where is your focus on right now in terms of what you're learning right now? Is it more like heavily business stuff? Are you like a book reader? Are you audiobooks, podcasts? Like what's your what's your current focus? Um, it's mainly it's mainly business stuff. Um, just things with you know, offer, lead, sales, business SOPs, structure, thing things like that. Um, I like because over the past I started working out consistently like a little over three years ago, and I really like you know fitness YouTube. At least yeah. I like more of the more of the educational side, like someone like a Dr. Mike Isratel who like mm-hmm. has like a PhD in sports science, and like learning from people like that, where I'm like sure. you know learn the optimal way of doing things. But the more I've learned about fitness is like yeah, once you have the core principles in place you kind of have 95% of it as long as you're consistent with like your nutrition and training. So there's only so much that I could learn like per unit, like per unit of content that I was consuming. So now it's like, um, cause I mean, if you, if you haven't been able to tell once I get in, like get really into something, like I, I go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. That's what I did with Madden, which is why I got so good. I was like obsessed with it. And now like fitness, like it's to a point where I'm like, okay, like we're making a lot of progress and I'm going to keep, you know, revising things as we go. But, you know, once you get the the fundamentals down, you just need to ruthlessly, ruthlessly execute it. Business, there's so much to learn. I never thought I'd be in it. So I got my work cut out for me. But I mean, like I said before, it's one of those games that like you just want to keep playing. So I have years, decades really to learn as much as possible. Yeah, sure, man. And since we've broached the subject several times, we might as well talk about it now. So fun fact, you I knew about you really early that everyone knows about you really early. You were one of the top Madden players in the world. And so that was a really huge part of your life for the very longest time. And so how did that start? Just tell me about the journey. How did you get into it and really what appealed to you so much about it? I know you said you kind of had really mm-hmm. just a, you know, you had an interest in sports, like a lot of young men, you have an interest in video games. I wasn't a video game person. I'm assuming like I'm, I'm probably the odd man out of every conversation about that. But like, really, what was that? What, what kind of, you know, hooked you so much on the game itself? Like why that game in particular? And why did you think you were able to hook onto it so quickly? So when I was younger, I mean, still now, like I'm an only child. So I spent a lot of times, I spent a lot of time just like chilling, like alone. Like my parents were there, but like it was, you know, a lot of time was just kind of me in my room and like I would play sports and whatnot. But when I wasn't doing that, I really liked video games and it was kind of like a, an escape from reality honestly, like more as more time went on. But yeah, I I used to be like, I played Call of Duty a little bit, like, you know, pretty much every millennial boy did (laughs) at least, at least a little bit. And then, you know, I was all right. But then I started playing Madden and I was like, I really love this. Like it was playing online. They they added ultimate team. So it was like fantasy football meets like trading cards meets Madden and you're building your own thing. I was like, this is awesome. And then I started playing online and then I looked in the E8, like electronic arts. They had like, like online forms for people that like play ultimate team and like you could trade with players and, and play with them. And then I, like I said, I found like crews of people that played and people that were like, you know, cause you know, in that landscape, everyone's anonymous and people were like scamming people left and right. Oh, wow. So there's one group that was like, you know, for people that, you know, are like actually legit, like they're not going to scam you. And like, it was a like community. So I had, you know, joined that, started playing the people in that. It's funny. It's actually really funny. One of the players who was in that crew is called a DU digital union. One of my friends, he's literally still one of my best friends today. 
Like I met that man when I was like 16, but we were just the two best players. He lives, he's the one in Dallas. Um, oh, and okay. he, yeah. yeah. And he like was the best player in the group. And then like, I was coming up and I was like, it was like me and him were really good. And then we just became friends and we loved sports and we would just sit on party chat all like just playing like the leaderboards. So I just played a bunch of online and I was consuming the eBooks, the YouTube videos, um, the Twitch streams, playing with better players. And just, I kept getting better and better, started joining some tournaments, started like winning some smaller tournaments. And then as the years went on, I, you know, Madden EA, they opened up their competitive circuit, the Madden championship series, like right when I was like getting to college and I was like, oh, wow, like this is literally the perfect time. And I just, I loved it so much that I just kept on get that process just kind of repeated itself for years and years and years. And then as I met better players, as I got better myself, but yeah, it was, it was a great time. I, you know, throughout like the entirety of undergrad, that was like what I was really consumed with. It was very interesting. It was looking back on it now, it was like, I viewed the Madden and like my, the whole like world of that as like, sometimes like my primary world and then like reality second, it was very, very interesting. Like I was still able to like, you know, piece things together and like still have a social life, still have like relationships and whatnot. But I didn't, I guess I looking back now, I would, I don't know if I would have done things differently because I had a lot of success and I enjoyed um, my time playing Madden. But um, yeah, I started in, like playing tournaments online going to tournaments in person i my first tournament that i won was actually in orlando we we used to have like a an arena league team and like they had a cool. tournament I won for, it was like 2500 bucks so that was cool and then in madden 17 they had like a that was when they did the full madden championship series and the top 30 they had like four major tournaments um three one three that you qualified for like through leaderboards and elimination and then they had the final tournament which is accrued by all the points you got from the first three as well as like other tournaments and stuff and such so the final the top 32 in points made the final tournament in madden 17 guess what place i was 18 33 oh wow okay i was literally the first one that that, i was the one that didn't make it so going into madden 18 i'm like damn bro this is I can't, I can't do that again. And it was funny. Cause like I went to in Madden 17, they had these like satellite tournaments and I went to one in Vegas and I ended up getting second, like at the very end of the game, I was 21. I had just turned 21. I'm in Vegas. I'm literally on two hours of sleep every night, just, you know, drinking, clubbing with the guys. Like it was an incredible time, mm-hmm. but, and I still was able to get second. It was crazy. I don't know how it even happened. I was yeah. the way I treated myself back then, like nutrition and like sleep and water. I don't know. That was some only, that was a 21 year old stuff for sure. But the next in Madden 18, one of the first tournaments was in Las Vegas. And if you won it, you got to like the major in as you guaranteed yourself, like at least 8,500 and, uh, chance to play in the tournament in cali and i actually won that tournament um it was awesome the same venue same everything um my my friends the night before the elimination there was like amigos concert at one of the um at one of the clubs and they were all going i'm like bro i am so tired i i can't like i will literally be a zombie tomorrow like we came here to win the tournament okay so they went off to the tournament i went to sleep got some good rest 
I ended up winning. So it worked out. And that kind of like kickstarted my career, like in Madden that year I made about, I, like I got flown out to LA multiple times. Um, I made about, they actually had some, some tournaments in Orlando. I made around like 45 K that year, wow. which was awesome. Um, while I was, while I'm in college. So it was fantastic. Um, and it was, you know, it was great. And then I graduated and then my first, my first week of grad school, there was a, a tournament, um, in Jacksonville, Florida. And at that tournament on the second day, one of the competitors actually shot up the tournament um, it literally turned into a like it was a mass shooting and I was hiding in the bathroom like I you know didn't know if I was gonna live or die it was it was rough obviously I made it thank god yeah. um, it was it was it was it was crazy like it was just unbelievable um think like unfortunately like you know he killed multiple like of my friends and like I had to you know deal with all the PTSD and the anxiety and the trauma and all that so that kind of dominated my like life for the next like three, four years sure. um, and really shaped like what my focus had to be. Cause I was literally, is I was going to school to become a counselor, the count the program's called counselor education yet. And they, you know, they tell us, they're like, Hey, you guys should go to like, go to counseling to be like on the client side of things. Just so you have like that perspective. Uh, I really actually needed it, obviously. So I started for like three and a half years. I was like, I was, I was in counseling while learning to be a counselor. It was just, it was funny, like the, the meta of it, but yeah, it was, it was definitely tough. I had to learn a lot. I actually did, you know, I took like a year off competing and then I actually in Madden 20, I actually, you know, competed again, went to San Francisco multiple times. I was the Buffalo Bills club champion, so that was fun. Um, I, you know, didn't let it like stop me from competing. I eventually, like I said, fell like out of love with the game, but yeah, I, I had to go through a lot personally. And yeah. one of the, it's, you know, it's a blessing now because I have the, um, the perspective and like the skills and the resiliency and all that stuff of, you know, dealing with mental health struggles and, you know, I was learning academically how to become a counselor and then like the practice of it. But then I was actually having to go through it myself. So I got a, a very um, interesting perspective from the client side. But I also like proved to myself that like this works and like any truly anyone can do it, even if you're coming from like a terrible situation like that I was. So it was it ended up, you know, in the long run, like, you know, at the time, like people would be like, yeah, you know, I like it. This is awful. But like, you know, in the future, like you're going to, you know, if you got to look on the bright side, like you're you're going to be able to help people and all that. I, you, at the time, you don't want to hear that. I mean, you under, I understood it, but like I didn't really, you know, I was going to have to go through it. Like I'm in the eye. That doesn't always help me when I'm in the eye of the storm, you know, like. Mm -hmm. There's still debris flying everywhere. Like the winds are picking up. I, I'm in survival mode. I got to figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it now, like that was August of 2018. And it is like, you know, 2024, basically now. Yeah. More recording this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a long time. And I'm grateful that that, you know, as I was talking about before, about like the highs and the lows, it life now seems like 
it's it's like a totally different world than it was. I was like the state of mind that I was in, the struggles that I had day to day was so intense. And I was like a shell of myself for a long time. And, you know, with the, you know, the support of, you know, my girlfriend, Lexi, my friends, family, um, other support systems, like I was able to, you know, get out of that and, you know, achieve and still like have like good life. And now I can you know help other people. It's, it's just a tough process. So I have a lot of empathy for people that are in like their own personal like abyss mm -hmm. because I was there as well. And I'm able to better connect with people. And, you know, as we were at the the standard conference a couple weekends ago um, and Donald Knight was presenting and he like, you know, spoke, spoke to me in the crowd, like, and he said, one of like one of your, like how you bring value is your vulnerability yeah. And I was like, that's literally spot on because I feel, I, I feel comfortable enough with being vulnerable to people. And cause I've found that it's like a strength and it can help, it can help other people be vulnerable too. Especially like as guys, like it's very hard for you to break the ice of being vulnerable. Sure. Yeah. Usually when someone else is vulnerable too, especially if it's another guy, you feel a little bit, it, it kind of drops the wall and you can, like you, you can then do it as well, or you can connect with that person. And it really, you know, helps with healing, but it also helps build a relationship. So um, in my Madden years, they've taught me so much about, about life, about myself. So, you know, sometimes I look back, I'm like, oh, did you, maybe you missed out on some things during college or whatever. It's like, I still went out. I still had friends. I still, I still did all the things, yeah. but like you always analyze and you're like, could I have done things differently? I'm like, I don't think I would be the same me and like I like the person I am and the person I'm becoming so yeah I think I'll keep it yeah I was about well I mean I think I want to ask you one more thing about the I, I was going to ask you about the tournament that where where the, the shooting happened and, and that was a really really good perception and prescription of it but was there you know after I hear a lot of things with you know I had kind of a, an incident similarly where I had a seizure while driving my car down a highway and eventually like crashed into a bunch of stuff and then woke oh, up, wow. and got, you know, lifted to the hospital and everything. And I had, and that was a kind of a bizarre experience looking back to it because unlike you, when you were like living through a mass shooting or kind of a person that was really doing a very public shooting, like you were very lucid, obviously, and aware of what was going on. I kind of was like awoken in a state of, sh state of shock. And I was like, whoa, I just hit a bunch of shit on the side, on the side of the highway. And like, I didn't kind of yeah. woken up to it. So was was there kind of an overwhelming thing when you were maybe either getting into counseling or kind of after that event happened that you did you feel like you needed to kind of shift something or take something more seriously or do something like that or was it more of that gradual shift that you needed or that you kind of you know detailed in your answer where you were saying that you had to go through kind of a couple of years of counseling and you kind of you know were slowly just becoming the person you are now or was there one big kind of not necessarily takeaway because that's too light of a term but kind of like something that was a real big like wow, I need to start doing this thing right after this because it kind of jarred me awake from something. So it was, I guess to answer the question directly, like yes and yes and no. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was such an interesting experience that like, I had a hard time like even articulating it to people that like, sure. that weren't also at the Madden tournament. But no more, I find like people that have PTSD, they have similar things. Although mass shootings are a little obviously niche hopefully no one <laughs> not a lot of hopefully it be, stops yeah. it, it, it doesn't grow from niche but mm -hmm. um like every day was just a fight 
mentally. Like I, one of the things it did that I didn't realize until after was I already had like anxiety and overthinking and other things. I just never, I just thought it was normal. I just didn't really like my family. It wasn't really mental health. wasn't really talked about. It wasn't really a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were things that I didn't deal with before, but then once I had to deal with this, it exposed everything. It was like, you can't deal with anything, like nothing at all. Like I was basically just like the amount of times that like, I would just like blankly stare was like ridiculous. Cause like your brain tries to like protect you from trauma and it just kind of like, like dulls you a little bit from time to time. But it was, it just, it very much laid out to me the importance of counseling, the importance of self-care, the importance of, you know, knowing how to deal with your emotions. And it, I had to turn my entire life around, honestly. I I don't think I ever would have addressed a lot of the issues early, like that I didn't even know I had if I didn't have to go through that. Mm -hmm. It was... It definitely, um, I think one of the things you were getting at was like, you know, the mortality of thing, uh, like my own mortality being faced with that. It was extremely scary. It was the most terrifying thing. I hope no one, I hope you don't have to, no one has to deal with that. Like, especially at a young age. Um, It made me, how do I put this? It well, I mean, the basic thing was the PTSD was crazy. Like yeah. I was on edge a hundred percent of the time, like a hundred percent of the time. I was always worried that someone was gonna come in and kill me. Like I was unsafe at all times. I was I think the term is hypervigilant, yeah. and it is exhausting. Being at fi- being in a fight, flight, or freeze mode for most of your day is like you ran a marathon every day. (laughs) Like that's how you feel. And it's, you know, but you're just out there being a person. No one really like knows people in my grad program knew because like they had just met me and then like this happened. I took like a week off to like, you know, recover (laughs) recover as much as I could. I like went back home to my parents' house, but like they they knew that it was going on with me and like they cared but like it was so it was also very interesting too because i've talked about this with people that a lot of people they might struggle with like depression or anxiety especially as guys we don't want to like burden other people with our problems or we feel like we we shouldn't oh i'm going to just deal with this myself all that's you know not the way to do things you and i both know sure. but a lot a lot of things we feel it was very interesting in my case because it was a public thing. Like I was known as like the Madden guy amongst everyone in my life. Cause I'd post about it. Like when all these tournaments. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So like when it happened, like August 26, 2018, I heard from everybody that I've ever met, like pretty much ever that knew me at all, because they're like, are you there? Were you there? And like, yeah, I was there. <laughs> and so it was like, very and I'm in a counseling program so it's like it's very obvious and there's no stigma at all about you going to counseling that's how I felt it was like this is the obvious next step you need you need to go right like this is just what it is 
it's very different from what a lot of people go through where it's like they're dealing with it in the darkness in the shadows no one even knows unless you bring it up so it was it was a very interesting perspective and experience that i went through and like i'm able to like i said before i'm able to better connect with others like in the general sense but specifically what you know anxiety ptsd overthinking all that stuff like i've i went through all of it so it helps me with with that but yeah it was the terror of being faced with your own mortality in that moment like i've never had a panic attack before and i had a panic attack like a few months after like i had like night terrors and like all this stuff it was it was crazy. And like once once I went started to go through like, you know, the process, I would feel a little bit less hypervigilant. And it was like it was a slow progression. It was a very, very slow progression. There weren't weren't very many like aha moments. It was more of just like I'd progress and then like semester would conclude or we'd have a break or something. And like I wouldn't have like a counseling schedule counseling session scheduled. But then like my girl, like I would be, you know, acting all PTSD and my girl would be like, hey, uh, maybe you should go back. And, I'm, you know, at the time, it's like admitting that you're having trouble and having a pro like have a problem yeah. is such a it's such like a powerless feeling. It's like admitting that where you are like sucks because we like to be in denial. We like to fool ourselves. But admitting where, where you are sucks is is tough and i have you know empathy and give support to any anybody especially any man who comes to that conclusion like bro i need some help and it was just progressively like i'd go i'd, I'd get better and then i'd you know something would happen like with like the breaks in the school year and whatnot and then i would go back but it's a gears and it gave me it gave me a perspective that you know, if you're dealing with a, a tough situation like that, it's going to take you a while. But if you if you do the things, it will happen. I didn't even necessarily believe I was going to get better at various points throughout. Like yeah. when you're in the eye of a hurricane, like it, it there's a lot going on. You can't even you can't you have like because I, I've used this term a lot in like content and with people like survival mode. You are only focused on getting by the the minute the hour the day there is no vision of the long term that doesn't exist mm -hmm. so it's it was hard for me to conceptualize because when you think that at any moment your life can be taken from you why would you focus on anything else it like made me in that survival mode person like consistently but um it did show me after the fact like yeah it is going to be a slow progression and acknowledging that like you're going to feel these ways during the process has helped me like connect with people and better explain what it's like um because i found like if you can explain someone's pain really well to them like the way that they feel it they'll trust you that you can help them because you can like you went through it before so it's it was quite the time in life but it was a slow progression there was no there was no real aha moments in there Sure. And and you alluded to it too. And we kind of have been, you know, we talked and referenced a lot about what you do currently, but you eventually found a conduit to kind of channel that pain and both your purpose kind of in combination with one another to your now sojourn into the mental health space in terms of a business guy. And so you're doing it particularly for men, which I think is very, very interesting because 
a lot of people, there's this kind of, there's a stigma, I think, around mental health in general, but particularly mental health for men. And I think it's a niche you've been very keen on exploring along with a lot of people in terms of, you know, people who are either doing the work or kind of really investing in making institutions like you are to kind of channel that work into. And so kind of in a way, I want to kind of back into it this way. So how did you how did you recognize the problem of men's mental health? Like how bad is it really when you look at the space from that perspective? And why do you think men should put more investment into their mental health as you believe that there should? So like kind of how did you stumble upon the space? What was what is or was the severity level? And why did you do you feel that men should invest more into taking care of their mental health? It's mm, a good question. So I um I mean, I really got into it super heavy because of like the experience that I just laid out. I wanted to I wanted to be like a counselor before then. I was like when I was in high school, like we had a school counselor and he was a guy and he was like, I saw him like interact with like an incoming eighth grader and a parent. And he was just like super like pure and like he was the guy. And I was like, I was like, I could do that. Um, So then when I went to school and but then I had my own, you know, situation where I had to overcome it and like really get an understanding of how much it can wreck your life and how much potential you could have to be you know, to achieve your goals, to live the life you want to live, to be great. But you have things holding you back from either your environment growing up, from you know your upbringing, your experiences, um, things like that. And if you never deal with that, you know, you re- never reconcile those emotions or, you know, in a lot of men's case, like even learn like what emotions there are mm-hmm. and what they, how you experience them, then it's going to be kind of going on in the background, and it's really going to be pulling a lot of strings for you. Like men, I, I like to pride myself a lot on, you know, I like to be logical. I like to be rational. Um, so, uh, me of the past would have liked to delete um, uh, delete emotions if I could. Just highlight them all and delete them because I just mm-hmm. didn't find, I, I only experienced a lot of the negative ones. So I just wanted to delete them all. But you, yeah. you can't, it's a bad goal. But like, be either lot your logical and rational side sometimes if you if you're not dealing with those inner emotions you know healing your inner child like things like that that's actually how you're viewing things like it's it's subconsciously kind of controlling the way you think and the way you are in your relationships like the way you are with friends at work what have you and it's such a a holistic picture that I felt the need that I had to kind of connect all the dots, what I found like in my life that has helped me. Cause I specifically with, you know, speaking to men, um, I keep it open to everybody. Cause I want to work with, you know, you know, professionals on both sides, but a lot of it has been with men. I started out as just men, but I wanted to open it up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but men specifically, you know, we're, we're not, you know, because a lot of the generations before us, they were much harder. They kind of just had harder times. Like a lot of them were in wars. If you go back a couple generations, like life was life was hard. And you know, with the uh, you know rapid in, you know advancement in technology, the resources we have, especially we live in America. Like we have the fact that we live in America, we basically hit the lottery. Like yeah. we, a lot, of, we just don't have a lot of appreciation for these things. And mental health is like you know when you're worried about that survival day to day. Like you only always have time to deal with your mental health. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a a luxury. But in our world where the norm and the baseline has a lot of those 
um, survival needs taken care of, it's not a luxury because it's it, it can it can help you or it can stand in the way of you achieving the things you want to professionally, personally, socially, what have you. So, and it doesn't seem like there's a uh, a lot of people talking directly to men like with in turn that aren't really trying to be like a charlatan or they just fully understand the problem um because guys guys and girls you know we have so many similarities but we are different in a lot of ways like guys are not men are not as emotionally in tune as women are like women a lot of times the only thing standing in their way can be like they haven't processed the emotion yeah and a lot and like therapy is great for women and it's good for it's I, it's good for guys too i'm not going to deny it but i found that like there are things that like i also needed to implement into my life that would have accelerated my healing and development as a person and those are kind of the things that i i've tried to add into like my coaching program is that you get everything you get like, you know, your values, like being clear on like who the person is that you want to be. I mean, obviously, you know, you wrote value economics. So sure. we can I talk mean, about value all day. The more conversations we have about it, the better. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So there's that, you know, you, the emotional piece is extremely important, but then also like your, your daily habits and the actions you take holding, like compiling them all together and focusing on all three. Cause guys, we got to, we got to do like, we everyone learns best by doing but men especially we need to like okay give me something to do and then i will go do it and i can incrementally make change that way while still processing the emotions while still you know figuring out you know what's going on in your head so i know i throw a lot at you but it's that's fine that's great yeah i think that like men and women are very similar, but they're also very different in certain ways. And I come at, I come at helping men a little bit differently. A lot of it's, you know, it'll based off of my own like clinical experience, my own personal experience. Um, and my clients are getting good results from it. So I'm going to keep, you know, obviously tweaking it as, as I go to make sure I give the most amount of value possible. But um, yeah, in our society today, like, you know, we're, getting a lot more mental health awareness but like awareness is one thing and like actually making market change to people's lives is another so you're yeah. like oh go to counseling go to counseling go to counseling it's like well a lot of guys don't feel comfortable and it is a very much a female dominated space professionally um and there can be sometimes some um i guess you could say like norms or just way of doing things that they may not work as well for guys i mean good a good counselor is a good counselor you know yeah they can, you can get through to anybody but some of the times like you find that like different behaviors may not be like the, the most of their caseload is women and they have and they get a guy because obviously there's not not as many guys going to counseling they're the same things that they use may not be as advantageous for this this male because he just kind of behaves and processes differently. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a space that needs more people in it. Cause I doubt we're ever going to have a, have a surplus of people talking for, for men's mental health. So um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, kind of 
put my flag in the ground and be like, all right, I'm here to, I'm here to help. Well, yeah, that's, and that's why I think you're going to do so well. And why I think what you're doing is so interesting because I remember even when I started, I went to therapy one time for, I think like 10 weeks back in college. And so I remember even like going on, I think psychologytoday.com or something. And like, you know, basically using their search engine for looking for therapists and in, in my local area. And I remember there was no shortage of mental health specialists and therapists and, and people inside of it. But when I would go and I'd look at like their biographies and their history and their education and everything, like it seemed like there was a person for everybody, but someone like me in a lot of ways. Like there was a person that, you know, is basically like a person who deals specifically with like, um, you know, uh, LGBTQ people or women, or, um, you know, I would say uh, people of different races, but I, and I hate to pay, like pull the straight white male car, but I'm going to pull the straight white male car. But there was like no one that's actively like, kind of like, there was no one who was saying like, Hey, like I want to work specifically with someone that is like this, who is maybe dealing with all this sort of thing. And I would say, you know, I've had my challenges like everybody else, but you know, I, I'm not coming from a place of like, thankfully severe, like abuse or trauma or anything. So I kind of, you know, end up doubting myself in a lot of ways where I'm like, do I really even need this? Like, is someone else going to like be more than this or whatever? And so, but you know, you're almost kind of giving, you know, a, a very overlooked demographic in terms of the male aspect of the people who need mental health assistance you're giving them almost like a permission to go after and seek someone like you to say like, Hey, you know, know what, you know, Steven's really putting himself out there here. And he's saying that you probably should look into this sort of thing. And now I can probably go and I can see where everything is going to go from here. So, you know, from someone who went through it too, I don't know if you have, you know, people who are your clients who have said similar things, but that was kind of my experience. So I see what you're doing and I think it's, it's, it's really, really awesome. So I think it's really cool. I appreciate that, bro. Yeah. It, it's, I definitely agree because I mean, in my counseling program, especially in my specific track, I, there had to be it was like five to seven percent guys. Like it was all all women, which was not a bad thing. It was just very interesting. Like it was a very also a very interesting time in the world because I started grad school in 2018 and it ended in like during the pandemic. Very interesting time, like politically for America and like sure. socially and social media. One of the things that like also, while I was going through the program that was kind of kind of off-putting to me was, I mean, it's definitely the, the buzzword has kind of died down some, but um, but but CRT and it's kind of like branching offs was definitely in the curriculum. And it like things like that don't exactly and you know, you're they're informing the practitioners with this. It doesn't exactly lend to a very um welcoming validating space for men especially like white yeah. dudes there's a lot of us like yeah, and, right. you know it's so it's it's not like you know you could just be like oh screw these people they don't need help it's like yeah they're they're people too and it's you know it wasn't like it wasn't like they were trying to be like bigoted or anything like that it just in spaces where there's a lot of like one gender and not the other and there's ideologies that are being like put into the content to inform the practitioners. It's not, and, and they, when they like focus more on, they focused obviously more on like, you know, LGBTQ, like people who are black or Hispanic or whatever, which is, you know, great. We need, you know, culturally informed counselors. Like you need to, I I very much enjoyed like, you know, learning about like, you know, different like multicultural. Oh, dude, like, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's great. Cause like, you know, the way I do things or like my, my family or my like city or whatever does things is not the same as everyone else. And like, 
So a lot of people like their culture is very important. Like some people, like I've had like calls with clients and or like um like sales calls and like they want to work with someone specifically that's like faith based. And yeah. I'm like, if it's important to you, bro, like cool. Like that won't be me, but like because I'm not as in tune with that. But like if you have something specific to like your culture and your identity as a person like absolutely go for that but there's yeah there does seem to be a lot less like specialty people for like men or just you know professionals in general so i just wanted to kind of bridge that gap but it was it was definitely interesting like it's you know i'm not gonna like act one of the things like when there, whenever there's like like i don't know i don't know inequalities is the word but like whenever there's like there's a gap between people talking to like one group of people than another like i don't want to you know the the straight white male card like i don't need to be a victim i don't care like my my life is my life i have certain advantages and disadvantages other people have certain advantages and disadvantages people can argue about the percents whatever we still gotta you know make this life happen Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's definitely there is a gap and i want to do what i can to provide that but also you know serve anyone who wants to, you know, get along with, you know, the message, the benefits and yeah, just really take their life and their, their mental health seriously. That way they can enter the next phase of their life and really, really break new ground. Sure. That's awesome, man. I want one more question about the business and then we have a traditional question we ask everyone at the end of it. And so, so you're starting to push out you are, I really admire you for this. Cause I'm, I'm very shy about putting myself out there. Like I'm far from like the look at me guy type of person. I don't know if you, I, I don't think you are cause you're a pretty humble person too, but you've been very, I would say aggressive with pushing out content in terms of making reels and, and slide that we actually talked about this a couple of days ago in terms of like mm-hmm. the different content styles, what we're talking about. And so you're starting to get really, really serious about making the business before we got on. You're talking about all these you know, people that you've recently started doing business with, you're, you're starting to kind of scale a bit more aggressively, take on more people. It's starting to become more of a load for you. And so really, um, you know, what's next for mastery mindset, what's next for the business in terms of what you want to do and what your goals are, like where and how far do you think you want to take this? I don't know how far you really, you know, kind of thought out about this, but I know you're really serious about it. So I want to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. giving proper due to you. No, thank you. It's, um, Cause when you first start any business, like, well, not any business, when you start a lot of businesses, they can, you're solopreneur at the beginning. Like it's just you, um, you're not quite an entrepreneur. You don't have like employees, staff, things like that. So right. like, I wanted to start it being just me, um, obviously to get the supplemental income and then make it my full-time thing. But I eventually do want to bring on, um, you know, bring on other coaches, and then kind of do a whole thing like one-on-ones. I want to implement like group coaching. I want to have like a course. Um, I want to do like workshops, you know, speaking engagements, things like that. I want I want to grow it as far as it can grow to, you know, reach as many people as possible. Like, you know, definitely like coach, coaching courses, community, things like that. Um, one of my friends, he, one of my best friends, actually, he worked for an accounting firm and as part of his, um, as part of like their offer to him is he got 10 free sessions with either like a counselor or a career coach, um, from this service. And I was like asking him about that. I'm like, huh, that's like very interesting. Like those, that's a big issue in a lot of like workplaces. I learned that hiring costs a lot of money. It it costs a lot of money and turnover from employees has been at an all time high. 
and a lot of it due to mental health conditions and thing and untreated mental illness and burnout and something like presenteeism where it's like people are at work but like they ain't really doing much so they're still costing you money and there's all these things that like you know you can basically i can use my services to help businesses by you know one making their employees more productive just healthier in general they'll stay longer they'll be happier but also um like have it be part of their offer to employees yeah. because a lot of companies are having trouble hiring like period like a lot of you know millennials and then now gen z they want to see that their employers actually do care about them as a person rather mm -hmm. than just after the fact oh yeah here's an employee assistant program or whatever that like nobody uses yeah and i it so that's something that i want to i want to dive into but yeah, definitely one-on-one -on -one coaching, coaching, group coaching, have a course that way it's, I don't have to just only use my one-on-one -on -one time, um, group, group settings as well are, I find are helpful. Um, and then, yeah, courses for people when they're on their own, but also one-on-one -on -one help, um, for people as well. So I definitely want to, I'm not sure how far I want it to go, but I want to keep whatever the next step is, like the more impact that I can have, the better. So as long as I, you know, I, you know, it's funny, like I, it's the, the skills you learn building up your business is not the same as you learn from like, actually like running the business, like working yeah, on business right. rather than working in the business. Yep. So that'll be a whole new host of problems, but like, I'm very confident I'll be able to, you know, one, keep getting better at the craft myself. Then, you know, I, as I, as I go, I read this book, um, Hafiz actually recommended called the E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. it on my bookshelf. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard it's great. Yeah. And it basically talks about like how to build a business and why a lot of people fail is that they look at a business like they're usually the technician. So the person who does the thing. Right. You do the thing. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you start a business and then you don't realize that every business owner is three things. They're the technician, but they're also the manager of people. And then they're the visionary. You got to know where you want to go. Yeah. So a lot of times people don't set up a business as a way that like they'll be able to replace themselves later on. So, you know, putting the way I do things into like a framework and a ability to teach other coaches, because I'm going to you know, bring competent um, credentialed people along, but just having, having like a repeatable process um, like like McDonald's ain't got the best burger, but they got the best process. Got the best that's, system, man. That's right. They got the best system. Yeah. So that'll that's definitely something that like I'm trying to build as I go. Um, but it's very time consuming. But you know, you got to put in the work if if you want the big results. So yeah, eventually I want to I want to really grow it into like um you know all across the United States, honestly international. Like build like an like an app, like, you know, help connecting people. Like there's, there's so much that can be achieved. Um, but for now, you know, working from just the solopreneur aspect to make it my, my full-time thing. And then I'll bring on coaches later once the um, demand grows and then I'll, you know, kind of rework things as I go, but yeah, definitely trying to scale it to reach as many people as I, as I can. Sure. Awesome, man. Well, one more question, then I'll let you go. Um, what do you value the most and why? What do I value the most? Hmm. That's a good one. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense that that's the question. Given the name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I would say that 
my relationships and experiences with the people I care about, mm-hmm. as well as my impact on on those people and just the people in my life. Because the to me, like you know, something similar to what you know Donald Knight said in Dallas at the Standard um, Conference, just like your value to people is in your like it's in your your principles you know your your actions and your relationships and there's nothing that's brought me more satisfaction and been more impactful in my life than the relationships that i have with people that i care about so that's that's what that's what i think about is if i'm valuable to them and they find me as somebody that you know they're better off for me being in their life then i must be doing something right yeah Awesome, man. Well, Steven, this has been awesome, man. I know we kind of got disjointed a little bit. I appreciate you sticking with the conversation for a little bit, but yeah, man, it was, it was great to talk to you tonight. I, I can't wait to hopefully blow this up and get it in front of some people. It's going out to my whole Substack list and all the people that are on, you know, my podcast trail and whatever. So uh, I really appreciate your time tonight, man. I know we're, you know, a, a time zone away. So it's almost what, probably nine o'clock over there at this point. So I'll yeah. let, you, uh, let you get to bed and do whatever you need to do, but I really appreciate the time, man. So thank you. No problem, bro. Anytime, Sam. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. And we appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. There's going to be, you know, Value Economics Weekly this upcoming Friday and another new guest next week. So until then, own the day, open your mind. And thanks for listening, everybody.